This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. This is incredible. You know when you get the text about your STI results? The three pie now. Lads, I've been getting the spreadsheets ready. He knows his stuff, this boy. Or go down the Harry Potter route and send an owl. Well, I think we should get on the Wembley headphones. By the end of the tournament, there may be a kiss. Edison invented the light bulb. And naturally, we had to get Mike Dean to a chicken shop. Be on the moon! <laughs> 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 Hello and welcome to that Peter Crouch podcast, World Cup edition with me, Peter Crouch. Chris Stark and Statman Dave are with me as usual. Boys, have we recovered from the Crouch Fest extravaganza yet? Maybe. I, I don't know. I felt so elated the next like next two, three days, just absolutely buzzing. So I think maybe I've just come down to earth, I'd say yesterday, like a kind of prolonged three-day hangover. Uh, but no, I'm 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 great. Immense feelings of pride from my point of view. Um, proud of you boys. Proud of everyone that got involved in this. Proud of all the ridiculous ideas that were sent in from listeners of this podcast. And, and you know, it was our job to make them happen. I don't know what to compare this feeling to, like Crouch, because I've never really won anything like you have. You know, just those few days after you've won a massive, you know, like an FA Cup something like that what do you do to kind of um i don't know reacclimatize would you know what the elite players do chris they start thinking about the next game they start thinking about the next festival they start thinking about the next project that's where we are i'd I'd say we're an elite podcast right so (laughs) he's gone we're massive (laughs) crouch chris he's going around now (laughs) we're massive what we do now, Chris, what we do now is we go, right, that was massive. That was a huge win. But we plan. We plan for the next one and we make it even bigger. Yeah. I think some planning would help with that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. We all worked hard on this. It's too easy for us to go, oh, we didn't know what we we're doing or anything. It was more like we felt that after the first Crouch Fest, we had an idea of what it should or, or could be like. And then we worked hard to make it happen. But you're right. The thing is with it, how do you make it better? Because I'm seeing people at work and they're all talking about it. And part of me is like, well, get your bookings in early because you'll be lucky to play Crouch Fest. I was with Capaldi earlier and I just, uh, and he mentioned it. He was like, oh, I looked awesome. I was like, yeah, mate, well, you should have been there. You know, <laughs> should have been there. But honestly, there's a few, there's a few people I reckon that we, you know, we had, we were in contact with. I reckon a few people will be thinking, actually, oh, I should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what we um, what we put together for next time. And also just when we do it again, because we're getting so many questions from people asking, when when's the next one? When's the next one? And I don't know. We've not really had a meeting about it until, <laughs> until now. You're listening to you know it. What, Chris, though, like, what I put in my notes as well, right? I've got to tell you this. I put something in my notes before. And this was well before Crouchfest. Um, if it's a success... Make sure you tell Abby that she said it would it would fuck up. <laughs> uh, that that you know that's my only regret from the night. Actually, you're right. We saw her in the corridor before, didn't we? Yeah, she was like, "You're idiots! Like, what? You can't just go. You can't just book Wembley Arena. You it, you you can't just book it. You need a plan. You need um, a production company. You need all these different things, bits and pieces." And I said, "Look, you know, we shouldn't be there anyway, right?" We've done it, we've booked it, and we're going to work as hard as we possibly can to make it work. And And the fact it was a success was, 
you know, I was the bigger person. I just said, do you remember when you said that? Is that what you do? You're, you're as petty as I am. Do you write little quotes from your other half in your phone just so you can come back to them at some point with the I told you so? <laughs> Got loads of them. Yeah, we're sort of coming down from Crouchfest. Obviously, if you haven't experienced the Crouchfest pod yet, it is out now and it is well worth a listen. It's a kind of behind the scenes, access all areas pass to what was Crouchfest. Loads of interviews with guys that were involved in it. And a kind of, um, there's this amazing commentary throughout it from Clive Tilsley. He sort of narrates the whole podcast, but it's very funny. I think it's class. I thought, I thought Clive really made it like on the night when he was the voice of God, some great, some great shouts he had. And uh, it, it's great having such a credible commentator, but like saying words that you wouldn't expect or you wouldn't normally hear on the commentary. Um, like check Dave's hard drive. That was my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be a thing, all right? <laughs> Needs to be really careful with this. <laughs> yeah, I know you do have concerns. It's not that we think you're a nonce. It's just <laughs> Thanks, that <Chris. laughs> it's just you into your computers and everything. Yeah, right? look, I've got a lot of spreadsheets and we'll probably drill into some of those spreadsheets on today's show. But look, they're just spreadsheets with football numbers, all right? And also, I suppose, you know, obviously we, had a, we, we flew into Crouchfest, didn't we? It was, and we're still coming down from it. And it's great seeing all your videos and people getting in touch and stuff like that. But this is the World Cup pod, isn't it? This is the World Cup pod. And, uh, and, and, and <clears throat> the Monday after Crouchfest was the, the England-Iran game. And that was another festival, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, that was... Uh, where did you boys watch it? So I was I was just in the data cave, Crouchy. I was collecting the numbers, looking at the statistics, seeing how the team shapes were moving off the ball. So yeah, I was kind of engaged. But I hear you may have had a few pints before the game, Crouchy. Is it true you were with Steve Sidwell? Uh, yeah, I was with Steve Sidwell, yeah. I heard you came back absolutely battered. Do you know, this is like new territory for me. You know, like... I suppose as a fan and lots of the listeners here, that, that this is what they do. You know, they go to the pub and, you know, for me, I've just taken sort of the World Cup up. You know, I'm doing the, the World Cup pod, but I'm not doing any kind of commentary or any report, you know, any work on, on it. So I played golf in the morning and I had nine holes and then we got brained off. One of the lads got a hole in one. So he was drinking champagne at 11, <laughs> 11 a.m., because it got rained off and he'd got a hole in one. So we were celebrating that. Uh, and then the, obviously we, we go down and watch the game and we got a sweepstake going on and I nicked the first goal on the sweepstake. And it was, I suppose it's like how, this is how you really, you know, fans enjoy football. But to me, it's quite a new experience, you know, and it's something like, well, I'm starting to understand why so many people do it. <laughs> I think we've seen all sides of, um, of 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 a supporter during that game. Just on this podcast, we had Dave doing the analysis and you know really digging into the detail that perhaps Crouchy you would do ordinarily, but you were taking on more of the fan role, the pissed up England fan out and about, few bets that kind of thing. And I had uh, I had a very odd experience with that England game. Very very odd. So I I watched the first half, but you've got to remember, I've got a new job where I'm I'm up at four in the morning and it's taken a bit of adjusting. So I bought myself a nice lunch, managed to get home in time for the game, but it was all a bit of a rush and it was pissing down outside. So my plan was go home, jump into the nearest pub, but I ended up just watching it at home. But England were playing so well and seemed to dominate the game. Into the second half, I, I found myself just laying down on the sofa more and more. And from about 65 minutes in, I was asleep. 
<laughs> wow. I had an absolute shocker. Honestly, I'm pissed off with myself. I was so excited about it. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if I was just like too comfortable with how England were playing. I fell asleep. And I, I've really pissed myself off about it. Yeah, that's an interesting one, that. I've never done that before. It's also that Gareth Southgate's made you so calm that you can go to sleep, Chris. I think that's a, a bit of beauty. Maybe that's the positive spin on it. Is England had such a good performance and we should start by talking about England so far into this tournament. But they, they had such a good performance that Crouchy was having a wild time downing shots. Dave was horny for stats and I was I was asleep. This is like like, like three lads on a podcast, right? Couldn't have been more different, you know? <laughs> Chris is asleep. I'm on a stag do and Dave's fully working. <laughs> Dave's fully working. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> but it so happened, right? Obviously the incredible performance by England, obviously we're getting to that, Dave, and see what you see what numbers you've crunched. But um I, I thought it was an f- amazing performance. I mean, it couldn't be much better, apart from the fact that obviously Iran got a couple of goals. But I obviously won the sweepstake in the first half. But because I won the sweepstake in the first half, there was a second half sweepstake. And the second half sweepstake was the last goal to be scored is the winner, right? So obviously, we, you know, we're, we're five, five, one up, aren't we? Sorry, six, one up. It's all going great. And then Iran get a penalty in the last minute. So we've already paid the money out. And then, you know, I, I've obviously, I've got the last, um, I've got the plus injury time, which meant I actually had about half an hour, um, to come to think of it, but, um, I had the injury time. So if someone scores in that injury time, I, I nick the money in the second half as well. Unfortunately, you know, I'm not proud of it, but, you know, I did sing an Iran song and, and, and I won the money. <laughs> it was a great day. You gotta, you gotta give us a blast. You know, you gotta just, man, take us back there. Iran! I mean, <laughs> I just, I think this is what is, I hope it's not lulling us into a false sense of security with this tournament, a false confidence. It's just this first game. It sounds to me, everyone, everyone is just so relaxed. And, you know, in the build up to the World Cup and you're questioning England's performances and the run up to it and the last World Cup podcast that we did, you know, there hadn't been a, a great flurry of games leading up to this. But it was such a strong first match, right? It was incredible, you know. And like that's why I've felt comfortable, you know, with that last goal being the last kick of the game. I felt comfortable with our performance. <laughs> you know, I could be happy when Iran scored. Um, it was honestly, there was there was so many great factors. You know, the, the fact that we spread the goals around. Obviously, Saka getting uh, in on the act, and you know, Grealish, even Rashford when he came on. Um, you know, it was a really, really important first win and people say yeah it was against Iran but you know Iran's qualifying campaign was quite good and um, you know these first games there can be a lot of nerves and that was just gone straight away what did you think Dave? I think one of the big things with, with that was so impressive obviously the six goals is great but the fluidity of the team was fantastic I found the triangles on the outside so we're talking fullback central midfielders and wingers really rotating and opening up the pitch and I think England have had you know apart from Spain have probably had the most complete side with possession of the ball Crouchy would you say? 
Yeah, I'd say so. Like I said, like obviously Spain's, um, you know, was such a dominant performance as well. But you look at like Argentina uh, struggle, Belgium the other night. I thought Canada were fantastic. You know, there was there's some big te- big teams that have that have really struggled. Um, so for England to to get that first one out the way and like you say, dominate possession and be so comfortable and get the goals at the right time, it was a it was a perfect start. What about letting two in? Is that, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for negatives, uh, there was a bit about that. There was a bit about, you know, in that kind of game, it, was, it wasn't quite the same dominance as, say, the Spain game. What, what's your views on that? And, and the defensive setup? Because in the last pod, Crouchy, you said your hope for the team was that Southgate would just let the floodgates open, you know, let them play a bit, bit more freely. He went with four at the back. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I said that I wanted him to go with, with four at the back. You know, I was, I was pleased he did that. I just feel like we can get more, you know, players, more control in midfield and some of our better players in, you know, rather than playing three at the back. But I don't know if you noticed that um, Gareth did shed the uh, waistcoat. <laughs> yeah, he did. So uh, this was um, something that I suggested he do. I don't know if he, if mm. he's a pod listener. I think he might be. Um uh, he shed the waistcoat and he let England play and we go out and we we'll score six goals. And, you know, that was something that we said for him to do. And um, he might have listened to the pod there and uh, said to his coaching staff, Crouchy reckons we should lose the waistcoat and go for it. And they did and they could score six. So I don't want to take all the credit for it, but... Well, the, the waistcoat is dead now, though. He can't... If we see him in a waistcoat, we've done an episode on superstitions before. He just needs to carry on the same... Same as he's doing, right? Yeah, well, you know, you know, if the waistcoat if the waistcoat's on in the morning, you know he's going to play Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice in that holding midfield. <laughs> <laughs> I think from a, from a footballing perspective, what I thought was great about England as well was the use of their fullbacks in possession. If you look at the total touches of England, you've got you know Trippier and Luke Shaw that are um, ranked kind of first and third on the list of touches and I think the importance of allowing those guys to build up and then Jude Bellingham being able to get into that attacking midfield area really started to open up the opposition and they've, they've got to continue with that crouch right you've got to free Jude Bellingham because we know how dangerous he is in the final third now yeah well that's it like you say I think you can I think you can just let <clears throat> you could let Declan sit if you like and like you know let Jude sort of you know go on and um and, and drift off into the attack because I mean he's got the goal was fantastic and like you say he's He's good going forward. You don't want him sitting in there. You don't want the shackles on him. And like you say, I think um, you know Declan's Declan's able able enough to sort of to hold that on his own. He's he's got enough about him to be able to do that. Talking about the importance of fullbacks, I'm going to have to bring up goalkeepers, Crouch. You might not like me doing this, but I thought Jordan Pickford's kicking was very very good. You know, off the back of the kind of Croatia game in the World Cup in 2018, where England were really squeezed and they lost a lot of ball high up the pitch, I thought Pickford's kicking was very very good. In the build-up to that third goal, Iran were pressing really well high up the pitch against England and they forced it to the goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford. But I think the massive benefit of Pickford and, and his development and his kicking is that now he can drop it into like kind of a number 10 area. So with Harry Kane coming off the line into that number 10 area, it basically creates kind of a faux counter-attack for England where they've got a four on four because of Pickford's you know ability to hit Kane from that range. And that happened in the Rashford goal as well, where Kane was up against the back line and they went long and it went through. And I think that's something that Pickford's worked on. So I think we've got to give goalkeepers a little bit of credit for almost playmaking in this goal. So, but but by that, do you mean just fucking like spank it out to the centre circle? That's what you're saying. I think it's a little bit more controlled. I'm going to give them a lot more credit because it's one of the out balls when you get pressed out of the pitch. One of the out balls from your goalkeeper is to flight it to 10. That's kind of like one of the ways to go. 
Mm. This has been one of my big bugbears for for years. I'll be honest with you, right? It's like when teams press like that, right? Why why do you have to consistently play out? Like it it's suicide to play out. They've got five players who are, um, c- you know, converging on up. Why play out? Like that is not a long ball. Like people th- get get this huge problem with it being a long ball. Pickford's got a great, he's got a great delivery. He's clipped it into to Harry Kane, higher up the pitch where there's no danger and you've got a 4v4. It's, it's not fucking rocket science. Like literally like you don't have to play out. Like you if the fans are saying, oh yeah, we don't want to play long ball. Of course, no one wants to play long ball. But if you drop a pass into someone as good as Harry Kane, who holds it up and you have a 4v4, why would you not utilize that? It's absolutely ridiculous to play out into areas where you're going to get pressed. So frustrating. I totally agree. And it's almost, it's looked down on in some ways, you know, to to be able to put the ball to someone, as long as you've got someone strong enough to be able to, you know, take that first ball, be able to turn and then put it in any direction. But you're right. The amount of times that you're then equal numbers of defense and attack and with a bit of momentum, why not? Especially if they're playing a high line, you can put it past and, and go from there. It's um, it's it's a really good point, Dave. It's a really good point. But is that Crouchy? Is that just a bit of a done thing? Is that kind of over-engineering the situation playing out the back? No, I, I think I think that there's been a uh, you, everyone has to be seen to be playing the right way, and if you don't play out from the back, then um, you know you're not as as clued up as, as maybe another manager who does, you know, it's like, oh, we, it's like this stigma of long ball. That is not a long ball. That is a long pass. And it makes perfect sense because you're taking five, four, five players out of the game. It makes, I just don't understand this way where you have to play it into a corner. And if you give the ball away, it's in the back of your net. There's so much risk to it. I like, I love, I love the fact, yeah, I, I, if we could all play out, that'd be great. But, you know, sometimes you do have to clip it into a front man. You know, you're saying the long ball is always just defined as a long ball, right? And maybe that's the negative connotations of that. But you very cleverly there, like a politician, twisted it to call it a long pass. And what is exactly the difference? Well, a long ball is associated. A long ball's like John Beck from Cambridge in in the 1980s, right? He's going to bang it up, and you know we're going to fight for it, and it's going to be it's a complete lottery who wins it you know the big striker or the center half clatters into you a long pass is something like this where you where you drift it into the front man and you play a slightly more percentage football like it, it it's it's not a bad tactic is what I'm saying is no I, I actually agree with you and Dave in your stats do you account differently between a long ball and a long pass because I think Crouchy's making a valid point here. So in in the sort of numbers side of things, you've got a clearance, which is a player clearing the ball into a zone or a long pass, which is anything over 30 metres, which is a pass that's looking to hit a man. So it's kind of, that's the, the sort of definition difference of it, a zone versus hitting a man. But at the same time, you know, that you could make any argument out of that, but that's kind of the idea behind it is that a clearance is a little bit more... Um, random in a sense of where it's going to go you know you're getting the ball rid whereas that pass as Crouchy's saying that Pickford's picked out Harry Kane in the third goal it is kind of there's thought behind it it was there for sure though you reckon it just wasn't a long ball out that's got lucky I definitely think that's a long pass 
I think if you watch, if you watch it again, the way that he clips it into the zone, I think it's. I, I think we've got to give goalkeepers that playmaking respect today. Yeah, I've got just something to say on this again. I'm going I'm a, bit, a bit of a rant here, but what I, if you're playing out right, what is the point of playing out right? It's to move the opposition right, so it's to draw the opposition into places where they don't want to be. On this occasion, Iran, I've got five men pressing right, so. All, all you've done, it, so when if you were playing out, you'd play through and you go, right, we've played through five or six men now. We've Now we've got an overload in the opposition's half. That's the only reason why you do it, right? So if they've got five players pressing really hard and you've got a keeper with the ability to drop it in to a player like Harry Kane who can then keep the ball, you have a 4v4, you know, you have a, not an overload, but you have a, a situation where you can be on the attack quite quite swiftly. You've taken out all the risk why on earth would you would you not play that that ball? I think it's almost like a hybrid situation where it's not just the keeper's got it and you're going long because they've pulled Iran on. Then it, like you're saying, Crouch, you've you've basically hit the principles of positional play or you know everything that Pep Guardiola wants to wants to do to a team. You've moved them into an area you want to, and you've opened up a little bit of space in between the lines. So it, it's perfect for England. I think it's got to continue as well in in this goal because of Bellingham's you know athletic ability he creates a five on four because he runs off his man and that's the type of thing that England need to continue to do and they'll have a great chance of winning the World Cup I think it's great you've made the long ball sexy by calling it a long (laughs) pass and talking of redemption for other old school elements of the game I thought Harry Maguire Mm. in the air on corners centre back like it was magnificent I want to I want to make this World Cup podcast right a I, I want to I make this a place where there's no criticism for Harry Maguire, right? This is a place of sanctuary where his family can listen to this pod and uh, because he's had so much grief, the last whatever, and I feel like he played well. Like, to play in that first World Cup game and to play, to play you know, as well as he did and, um, you know, to it's every the whole world is watching and... Um, I think it shows a great deal of character. Definitely. But what about his performance? I mean, it was great. I, I mean, personally, I, I loved it. But it's so exciting on our corners. It feels like we've got a genuine weapon. A genuine weapon. What, what I find quite interesting is England did the same kind of thing in the 2018 World Cup, didn't they? Where they isolated Harry Maguire up against one opponent and Maguire would beat him. The weird thing is Man United had not done that for like four years and now we're at another World Cup and England are doing it again. But, you know, the goal that Saka scored directly came from that. England, you know, I think they rushed the front post with three guys. Harry Maguire was isolated. It pulled another player out to Harry Maguire to try and deal with him. Freeze up the space for Saka. Saka's volley's brilliant. That is going to be a massive weapon. And international football, as you know, Crouchy, the first goal is so vital. And if we can score that from a set piece from Harry Maguire, it's another weapon that we got. He's going to score this tournament, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he will do. I had him first goal scoring that sweepstake thing as well. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah did. God, he hit the bar, didn't he? Within yeah, he did. He minutes. did. Yeah, I was up. Was it, it, I was, it was a roller coaster <laughs> of emotions for me. <laughs> <laughs> Crouchy, we need to get a camera to one of these games, and we might not have to. We might not use the footage, but we need a camera there just in case. I'm so looking forward to the next one. I can't tell you, like I'm, 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 I'm golfing again tomorrow, and I've, the only thing is, it's like it's three in the obviously three in the afternoon. The last one, when it's seven in the evening, I'm like on a Friday night. Oh my god, absolute crouch fest again. 
it's 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 carnage. This I honestly think this game against USA is going to be even regardless of the game. What a day! What an exciting day for everyone. Straight out of work into the pubs all all night. I I, I pro- I'm not. I promise everyone. I won't let everyone down. I'm going to move through the gears through the group stages. For, uh, you know, I've been honest enough to say, fell asleep. <laughs> Last England game. Gonna, so, so bad. It's so bad, mate. I've never done it. Like as a kid, so excited watching England, and it really was nothing against them. It was, it you know. And then, um, yeah, load of drinks for the England USA game, and I'm DJing the box park for the Tuesday while I'm Ooh. doing the Wembley, um, which will be fun because I've not I've not actually been there before. So I'm quite excited to see how that all plays out. Mm, yeah, it's going to be that. Would probably be like exactly what I'll be doing, just just a little <laughs> bit more, pro, a little bit more privately. <laughs> I think just a just a note for everyone on the on the Friday, right? Do what we did at Crouch Fest, where we were we had to be calm with the first beer, didn't we, boys? We had to not. There was a few times. I think there was a time at about two o'clock in the afternoon where we all looked at the fridge and we thought, "Shall we?" Mm. We were composed, we were calm. We got to four o'clock, same thing happened. That Laut was was looking at us. When I think six o'clock was the first beer, was that right, boys? Yeah, yeah. We had a job to do, and I think we were all a bit little bit nervous, weren't we, about mm. how it was supposed to go. So um I think we went, we made the right decision. Yeah, so just everyone everyone that's listening, just make the right decision on Friday. Don't go too early because you don't want to be asleep like Chris. No, you don't. How embarrassing. England England game, first England game of the World Cup sleep but anyway well done England come on England um as well if you want to get in touch with the podcast because we're doing these twice a week as well any of your messages or anything that you observe throughout the tournament we can chat about on here um there's a number of ways to do it you can go through the website which is that petercrouchpodcast.com or you can just slide into the dms and I get quite a few of these I keep an eye on them as well because there's some crackers in there that we've had through. You know, you know, I'd like Chris as well. Like, obviously, Ab's, Ab's having a tough time at the moment. She's not really uh, enjoying the World Cup. I mean, you know, as we as we speak now, um, camera in Switzerland is on as a, at the time of recording, and um, she's not really enjoying it. Uh, so, I'd like to hear from you know maybe other halves, uh, people that aren't interested in football that are being made to to watch it, and uh, perhaps tell us your stories and thoughts on the on the situation. World Cup widows, please get in touch. Can I play this voice note that's been sent to me uh, in the DMs? It's good. It's, it's a legitimate question. It's from um, somebody who listens to the pod called Sam Black. All right, Chris. Hi, boys. Just uh, sitting alone watching Spain, Croatia uh, on mute with the podcast on in the background. Uh, and it just got me thinking. I just had a quick question uh, for Peter. You know, he said in previous episodes that when he's uh, when he's on the bench and the striker that's like starting ahead of him, he obviously wants the team to do well, but he doesn't want the striker to play well. Because obviously that's his position. So I'm just thinking, when it comes to England, you know, say if Rooney's starting ahead of him up top, ten minutes in, Rooney puts one top in. Is Crouch like? Is he buzzing because England are one 0 up? And he's, as he said, he's an England fan. Or is he sitting there thinking, "Fuck off, Wayne, you tit." just took my position for the next three games. Now, I'd love to know uh, Peter's uh, opinion on this matter, so if you could ask him on the pod, that would be great. Keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, love the pod, fellas. Oh, my <laughs> God, it's so good. I love, do you know, I love, the, I love that voice, though, because it's so, it's really, he's really interested to find out, and then he just goes, or is he thinking, fuck off, Wayne, you tits. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, I can answer this one. Um, the thing is, when it's Wayne Rooney, like I'm up, you know. Like, listen, I'm up anyway. If it's a World Cup, I think I think some things are more important than personal satisfaction and glory, aren't they? I think, you know, when you're playing at your club, that's your bread and butter. But you know, I am a massive England fan, and you know, to see them do well, definitely. Um, Wayne Rooney's a different story because, like, I knew that Wayne Rooney and Michael Owen would play ahead of me in the in the World Cup, but if someone came in like a Defoe or a Bent or a Carlton Cole or someone that I would class like, you know, they they are actually taking my place. Um, I'd rather they didn't score. I'd rather they didn't score. I'd rather someone else score. And when they scored, I'm up because I'm an England fan, but I'll still be thinking I've, I'm I'm fucked for the next game. But I don't think that's necessarily what Sam is exactly asking because you're saying uh, you you'd be fine as long as someone else scored i think he's saying would you is it like if it was a choice between that player scoring for england or there being no goal at all yeah um i think i think nil nil as long as we go through would be fine (laughs) (laughs) but i'm not advocating a one i'm not advocating like us going out do you know what i mean i think i'd rather i'd rather they score yeah Amazing. I wouldn't be over the moon about it. You know what I mean? Because you just know that you're not you're not getting in there. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna play. Can I give a massive shout out to Japan as well? I mean, there's been some amazing games and some amazing uh, World Cup sort of situations that have happened. But uh, I, I mean, what a performance! Now that that was amazing. Honestly, it really was to come back as well. Like they they were playing well, but they come back like. From a goal down, it was an amazing achievement and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. I got this amazing message underneath a tweet about the Japan fans who are amazing because they clean up in the stadium afterwards. So they go, have you seen this? They go wild and then they're so respectful that they then tidy up after themselves and go around with bags and clear up all the litter. It's the same with the players. Apparently, the players in the changing room are exactly the same. Come the end of the game, they tidy it all up and leave it as it was found. And so many, so many people are commenting on this Crouchy and, and saying it's such a respectful, such a lovely thing to do. But I did see a message from someone who clearly listens to this podcast because he's tagged us all in it. And this is replying to an actual article about how Japan fans are brilliant that's had loads of retweets and everything. This guy called Ellis, he's just written... I know it's great and all, but Japan fans are proper parched. I had someone tweeting me as well, Chris, you know, who said, um, you know, the changing room, obviously the players left the changing room completely spotless. You know, they've tidied it all away and left some origami on the, on the top of the, on the worktop. Absolutely incredible. But then I had a tweet saying, yeah, but have you ever seen a, a whole team as parched as this? <laughs> they are going to win the, the sort of parched boot if there was such a thing day for yeah abs- absolutely very very parchy but I, I think the the interesting side of that from a stats perspective japan um won a world cup game with having the second lowest possession in history at 26 percent in terms of germany they racked up an xg of 3.3 which is the most xg anyone's accumulated without winning a game so they need a they need a peter crouch up front i think yeah they need they need something let me just just one other thing while we're on the Japan team as well. Like I remember playing in Japan, right? And uh, I, we, we, I was with Liverpool and it was in the World Club Championship. 
And I remember we only had a few days there, but I remember leaving a hotel and obviously in Japan, like Liverpool is massive, huge. So we went out for a walk and there was a few of us went out for a walk. And as we, as we, as we were walking, I, I, I noticed like 10, 11 people behind us. And I thought, that's weird. Anyway, we just carried on walking. We went to the, um, the shopping center down the road. By the end, there was 100, 200 people behind us. Anyway, we walked through the shopping center. As we walked back, lots of people's word had spread. There must have been a thousand people behind us. I'm not joking. Anyway, just walking 10 steps behind, couldn't believe it. So then I turned around. I was like, what on earth are you doing? And then, uh, then they all just came in and like, because they didn't want to disturb our walk. They just walked behind and they were so respectful, like to not, to not just get in our faces or they wanted us to enjoy what we were doing. And then the moment we engaged, they, they, they wanted pictures and photos and, and autographs. So I thought that was incredible. Boys, have you seen what's going on with the referees' kits? So I was made aware by a listener called Lewis who messaged me to say, check out the refs' kits. It's got their names in tiny font on the back. So it's almost like what they're doing is trialling referee names for the first time on the back of a shirt, but don't have the confidence to go full shirt. And they're doing it like really tiny on the back. Yeah. I haven't checked this on every kit. I assume this is this is happening. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. Or, but I'm just trying, I've got one of the games up right now. Obviously, we're just in the World Cup flying. I can't see it. Is it in? Is it in like white font, or have they got it in black font? No, it's in white font, but very, very small on the back. But if this is true, and we will get confirmation on this, if if anyone does spot this, Crouchy, what is your view on referees' names on the back of shirts? Is football heading that way? Dean's fingerprints are all over this. Um, it's it's either Dean or Clattenburg. Um, Clattenburg, you know, I don't know if he has any sway now, but. Um, I'd imagine he's been campaigning for for names on the back of the shirt for for a long time. Um, I don't know what to make of this, Chris. Um, you know, you know my thoughts. I think we need referees. I think that's great, but I don't. I'm not sure that you know all the millions of people around the world are, are there for the referee. If you know what I mean, um, I do feel like they're there to watch the football, um, and I think a name on the back of the shirt is is a bit messy. It's distracting from, from what we're watching. No, you're just, is it just because it's not happened before? Like, why not? These are massive names in the game themselves. Why shouldn't they have their name on the back of the shirt? Oh, I can't have it, Chris. I'm sorry. I can't have it. (laughs) (laughs) So I have done a little bit of digging, Chris. Um, Raphael Klaus refereed England's game with Iran and he did have a little Klaus on the top of his shirt. Like just right on the middle bit Fucking here, Santa. Yeah, little little Santa Claus. <laughs> could I, could I as well just say thank you to all the referees and linesmen that showed up at Crouch Fest? I thought they're officiating. You know, they they ran the game superbly. I saw a few red cards getting sent out. Some you know linos trying to get the refs' attention. I thought they did really well. Yeah, they did do well. If sorry, just to round this off though, if there are little names in the back of shirts, please let us know because it it this might be the start. This could be the I don't know why, if you're going to have your name on the back, you don't do full confidence, full-on printing. I'd love to know, if anyone listening to this can tell me, is there a rule against it? Like, is there is there a precedent with this? Has this happened in any other league? And I'd love to hear from a referee or anyone training to be a referee as to whether you think it's a good idea 
that names should be on the back of the shirts and would you like to see it head that way get in touch a couple of games to go through before we finish lads uh, first up we have to talk about my favorites argentina losing to saudi arabia i thought they were the best side like argentina you know they had the, they had the odd chance but they were they were really disappointing i thought argentina um and i mean that was has to be Saudi Arabia's best ever result. I remember them scoring once at might have been the 94 World Cup. I think that there was someone who got an absolute worldie in that tournament. But I think, yeah, it was, they were just, they're sensational. They were, they were aggressive. They were strong. They were fit. And that's what I love about the World Cup is like things like Saudi Arabia. I thought Canada played well. Um, there's, there's a few just surprising teams that always come up and, and do well. And that's what the World Cup's about. Yeah, at the time of this recording, Serbia are playing tonight. I'm really hoping it, it happens for them because we're kind of sort of backing them as a podcast actually to do quite well. I've got to say they are the one team that whenever anyone asks, and we did say this, like if anyone asks for an informed opinion, go with Serbia and just hit hit them with confidence. I mean, Crouchy, we were doing an interview only the other day and felt like we were just massively promoting Serbia as part of it. <laughs> well... The thing is, is like we've got Dave in our armory, right? Okay. You know, a complete nerd who knows everything about everyone, right? So we might as well use him, you know? So like Dave, we've, we've, we've drilled down to talk to Dave about each and every uh, side and his pick is Serbia, right? So if they go out, you know, Dave hasn't got a Scooby. I am. I'm really nervous today. Actually, I think I'm, I might need to have a, a beer pre-game just to, to calm the nerves. I've I've spoken about this obviously on the podcast, and I feel now that they're kind of my team. Uh, obviously, going to be supporting England through the tournament. But if Serbia let me down, then I'm going to look like an absolute idiot. I'd question, you know, whether I should be on the pod anymore. But they've got a good team. They've got good players. They've got informed strikers. They play five at the back. They've got genuine wing backs. But they're playing Brazil tonight. So this is almost a game that I have to go in with, you know, sort of like, you know, like when, when Watford Watford beat United 4-0, Chris. You know, going into that game, you're thinking that's not going to be the result. But that's what I'm hoping for tonight. Same. And Ghana, for, for what it's worth, the game before. I've backed Ghana and Serbia to win. Honestly, the returns are huge. Seriously, have you? Yeah, I've done only a double. But thing is, it just feels this tournament, anything... I don't know if it is like this in every World Cup, and I just haven't noticed that because I'm just blinded by my support for England. It feels like anyone can beat anyone at the moment. It's just got this air about it. And those results, Saudis, I mean, they're doing it right. They win that game. Did you hear? They're getting, the whole nation's getting a day off to celebrate. I mean, what an incentive. Why don't we do that here? Like, imagine, imagine the pressure you would feel, Crouchy, but also the reward if you scored the winner, knowing that the whole country's having a day off the next day because of it. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, it works very sm- in very small ways with the uh, with the football clubs in the Premier League. You know, like always, if you win or play well, you know, the manager might say, give you two days off. If you don't play for another week, um, he might say, look, if you win today, you can have two days off. But it's a good, it's a good kind of one-off incentive. But the problem is, if you reward every success with that, nothing's going to happen in Saudi Arabia, is it? So it, what happens if they win again? Like they can't get, like if you've done it the first time, surely you've got to do it for the next game and the next game and, and so forth. It's a bit like Penn stars under 11s. We never won a game. So we were bribed with 
being taken to McDonald's if we win. Bit different as the Saudi Arabia situation, but stick with it. Now, the problem is when you then won and got a McDonald's, manager was happy to do it the first time. But then we hit a little winning streak because we wanted the McDonald's every... And then he stopped bankrolling it and then performance dipped. <laughs> I just think the Saudis have gone massive early, haven't they? <laughs> I've never th- I never thought there'd be any form of comparison between Pinstars under 11 and the nation of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Chris, I think we've all seen in the in the WhatsApp group how my Serbian statistics have been making a bit of a debut on a few dating apps. It's so good, Crouchy. I've got to show you this. So, um, we we suggested that people should use Dave's stats to impress people on dating apps. We are going to try and make a dating app. There was a few suggestions of names for that. There, someone, oh my god, I can't remember their name, but I remember the name that they proposed. If there was a stats based dating app you know, like Tinder, what it could be called. Whoever you are, I'm so sorry I can't name you, but you are a genius. Someone messaged me saying we should call it Bang Average. <laughs> That's good. Oh, it's, it's good. such a good name. It's such a good name. But yeah, people have been putting stats that you give, Dave, in their dating apps. Uh, we got one here. So Hinge is a dating app, and as part of the profile, it asks you questions, and you can answer them however you like. And then the idea is, Crouchy, people who see your profile can learn more about you by the answers that you give. So Sam here, the question above it says, a random fact I love is, and then he's put underneath (laughs) that Mitrovic wins 5.5 aerial jewels (laughs) per 90 minutes, ranking him in the top 5% of strikers in Europe. Target man. <laughs> hashtag pass the pod. He's hashtag pass the pod. Make sure you hashtag pass the pod as well. That is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And, and what I want to know as well is, is, is gather the data if you can and feed it back to us. So gather the data. If you get any hits, any you know success, we want to know. Yeah, what country's stats are turning people on? Let us know. It would be also really good to hear from um, anyone that's been on Hinge and seen Sam's profile and seen the statistics so we can get some feedback from the target audience. And, you know, do they like the stats? Do they want Thibaut Courtois save five out of the nine penalties he's faced in 2022 at a 55% save percentage? Do they want are you, are things you like on, that? Are you on the dating apps, uh, Statman Dave, by the way? Nah, I retired a while ago on the dating apps. Well, maybe what we need is one of these dating apps to come get involved with this podcast. We signed Statman Dave up. And it's purely stats based, and we follow follow everything that happens. That'd be great. That'd be great. It's, yeah, if you could, yeah, get in touch. If I don't, I don't even know what they are, but if you can get involved, uh, and we'll get Dave's profile out there and see see how many people bite. <laughs> We've got some great pictures from Crouchfest, haven't we? Anyway, you know the the, the Charlie uh, the Charlie Adams situation. I reckon that could get some good good hits. <laughs> Oh, mate, I've got such a funny picture of you. Like, the thing is, when we dressed you up as the midge, at least you had a fly outfit covering you. But before that, before you got into the full fly thing, you're just in a morph suit. To be fair, mate, I wasn't aware that you work out. Like, you weirdly were sort of quite buff. But you know those morph suits? You can just see his cock. (laughs) Actual cock. If we're going to do this, you know, if we're going to do this, right? If we're going to get Dave on, on one of these um, sites, you, Dave's not allowed anything to do with it, I reckon. <laughs> no, and it'll be amazing because we can see who he matches with and who gets in touch and who's interested. No, and... Dave can't get involved at all, right? It's between me and Chris. We just, we, we manage it. Mate, it'll be so fun. Like, imagine it's married at first sight. So 
we narrow it down through a series of rounds and then he meets the final person that we choose <laughs> at the end of the series. And we have to legally get married. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> Instead of Crouch Fest at the end of this World Cup series, we just have Dave on a date. <laughs> I think it's a fitting end. But yeah, no, whoever we match you with, you watch the World Cup final with. That's how this ends. That's the one. That is the one. Well, lads, this has been a blast today. Um, I'm not exactly sure how the, the date on the World Cup final is going to go, but I'm excited. Uh, again, we're going to be doing all these pods through the World Cup. This is before the big game, Serbia versus Brazil. And again, we'll be looking back on England's game with the USA in the next podcast. I'm pretty excited for that, boys. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun this today, boys. Should say as well, any questions you've got for Crouchy or anything you're noticing about this World Cup, anything you feel that we should be discussing, make sure you get in touch. You can email us. Email address is peter.crouch at acast.com or you can slide into our DMs, however you need to do it. I, I think voice notes as well. It'd be great to get a few of your voices on this, uh, whether that's you uh, or a World Cup widow that's about you. Um, get them to send in questions as well we're doing this twice a week so yeah fire into the dms if there's anything you feel that we should be talking about yeah get in touch like i say the world cup widows would be interesting um you know anyone who's uh, uploaded any data stats on a dating app uh, or any, or anything if you've noticed anything that we've missed you know in the world cup i think we're trying to be across everything but if you've noticed something like like the names in the back of ref shirts that i, I didn't notice um, then get in touch because we'll talk about it on the pod. It'd be great. Um, it's good to have you on board. Uh, Chumba Wamba. Chumba Wamba, everyone. Chumba Wamba. This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned round to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to loadofpricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Loadofpricks, loadofpricks.net.